This is Confessions of a Former Mean Girl with Serena Myers. I'm a master transformation mentor and shadow guide, and I work with heart-centered, high-achieving women who are on the journey to becoming the truest version of themselves, which is only possible by first accepting all that they are. This podcast explores the lessons I've learned from my bad decisions so you can feel better about yours. It's normal to be a messy human, so let's talk about it. Hey, beautiful. Last episode, we had a conversation about identity. And of course, because it's me and I always have a lot of things to say, that was not the end of the conversation. Now, here's the thing that's funny. Typically, when I have this idea of a topic that is going to need you know, a more elaboration. I usually imagine it being something more in the future, more, I don't know, even if I was going to expand on it, I'd do it all at once or something like that. But there was something about this one that felt really complete. And then several hours after recording, I sat down and I ate my dinner and I was like, oh shit, we have a whole other conversation to have around identity. And so let me get down to it. So the dinner I was eating was blackened chicken. And until a few months ago, I had not eaten meat for 10 years. In fact, it was almost 10 years to the day when I started having a craving for chicken wings. I was in Hawaii and I indulged. And the thing that was really weird is anytime I had thought about eating meat in those 10 years, the idea of it felt gross. It felt wrong. And in fact, it kind of like just gave me the Wiggins. And here I was having this chicken wing craving and it felt right. And when I ate it, it felt right. Now I gave up meat after watching a documentary called Forks Over Knives a number of years ago. I had actually put on a screening of it. And on the committee of us that were putting on the show, I was the only one who still ate meat. And there was something about how the information was presented And also the fact that I already have a lot of food sensitivities around like eggs and dairy that I thought, okay, this is just a natural progression. This is for my health. This is the right thing. The idea of it being protective of animals and about the ethical treatment of animals that are consumed for meat and all of those kinds of things like that developed for me later. But initially it was really like, this is the best decision that I can make for my health. Now here's another story (laughs) because this is going to sound really ridiculous. But in my family, I have a sibling who is definitely favored more than the rest of us. We're five kids and my youngest brother is my mom's absolute favorite. And so in 2017, I was planning my birthday dinner and my only request was that we had no meat at the dinner. I said, I don't care if you have a burger on the way to my house. I'm actually happy to cook all the food, but no meat. That's it. And my mom kept pushing back with these different compromises. Would I this, would I that? And I was like, nope, 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 no meat. And it culminated with her saying, well, fine, why don't we just come over for cake and tea? And I was like, how about if you don't come over? And I didn't talk to my family for almost four years. Now, this seems like a drastic thing, but honestly, this was just the straw that broke the camel's back. But that is how important this was to me. I took a lot of flack from my family for not eating meat, actually. Like at first it started out as concern and then it developed into this bigger thing where like the understanding was that I thought that I was better than them because I didn't eat meat and they did. When in reality, I didn't really care what they put in their face. This was just my decision. So it was really tightly tied to my identity. And I wasn't someone who was like, 
giving money to PETA and doing protests or anything along those lines. But, you know, internally in my circle of friends, people knew. I still ate fish. I will say that I did have fish once in a while. And in the years where I was finding it harder to be able to get food, especially in social settings, I would eat more fish, but no meat until this whole chicken thing. So what does this have to do with identity? This is a super long lead up. So bear with me here. When I was first presented with this idea of going back to meat, it was by the nutritionist that I'm working with right now. And she was just really clear that like the goals that I had for my healing, meat would be the fastest way to get there. And I was really devastated. I'm actually still kind of offended by it, to be honest. I'm still working through those feelings. But I was really heartbroken that I was going to have to, I guess not have to, I still had free will, but that the easiest way that I could make this decision for in my body was to go against something that was not just my values and my ideals, but had become part of my identity. So when I'm talking before, and we mentioned this in the last episode about unshakable certainty, when you really know your value, you know who you are, you know what you need and what you want, and you're not afraid to share that in the world. There also has to be this flexibility with who you are. In the example that I shared before about my marriage and having to, you know, reevaluate how I viewed myself and my identity as what I thought was a heterosexual woman, we kind of enter into a similar thing here where I was presented with new data. I was presented with something that felt like an energetic match and felt like alignment for me. And if I had held on to this idea that, nope, this is the be all and all, I am the person who doesn't eat meat. This is the way that we do things. I would have missed out on a lot of the healing that I've had over the last several months. If I had held on to the idea that, nope, I'm a heterosexual woman and this is what I do in my relationships and that's the only way that I connect, that would have been the end of my marriage. Now, for some people, they are those fixed ways of being. They do have that really concretized identity. And it's funny because I'm a Leo, I'm a fixed sign. And so, you know, the idea of having this kind of really concretized idea of who you are is pretty common for me. But I feel that it's really important. And maybe this is just because I'm a recovering Catholic, I don't know. But I feel like it's important that we are willing to ask questions and be curious where we can be open to the idea that says, this is how I am right now. And that it gives us the ability to feel differently, think differently in the future should things change. Because we as beings are growing and evolving, especially if you're someone who's listening to this show. This means that you are someone who is looking for the truth, someone who is asking the questions, who is doing inner work and inner inquiry. And People like us who are on this quest to know ourselves in the best possible way, we are growing and evolving. So how can we have a fixed identity? How can we lock ourselves into one solid state of beliefs or beingness? And I feel like that's often some of the times where we have a hard time when we're in our evolution, particularly when we start to be out of resonance with the things around us, but we say, no, 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 this is who I am. This is the person that I am. This is how I live my life. And we've outgrown these ways of being, but we're clinging to the identity. And it keeps us stuck. It holds us captive. And it's 
creating dissonance within us because we're doing this work to expand out of that way of being, but we're clinging to the identity of the person that we were. When we're talking about inner work, we are talking about this ongoing death and rebirth cycle where there are going to be part of us that has to die off in order to make room for the new. And that can be uncomfortable and that can be scary. And it can be really hard to be in the liminal space when you're in the in-between waiting to know what's next, especially when it's something about who you are. When you get to the space of, well, shit, the way that I've been doing things doesn't feel good anymore, isn't resonating anymore. Well, then who the fuck am I? And this is where trust comes in. When you have this dedication to yourself When you are committed to this work and to this path and to the quest for your truth, it is asking you to become somewhat comfortable with the uncomfortable. In particular, the in-between stage. The in-between stage is literally the most uncomfortable part of my spiritual path. I cannot tell you the number of times where I have cursed being there because for me sometimes, especially if I'm resistant, I am in there for fucking months. And it's not the kind of thing that you can rush. Sometimes the in-between space is because the next stage of where we're headed isn't ready for us yet, or we're not ready for it. And there's like a calibration that's happening. Sometimes it is our resistance and our clinging to the old ways of being, and all we have to do is let go. As soon as we stop trying to control, as soon as we stop trying to like shove things into a box, as soon as we stop trying to force it, we can just allow ourselves to be. And it can be easy, but that's a hard place to get to when our heels are dug in and when we are afraid of our next level, when we are resisting the very work that we are doing to become. I have this really beautiful self-study course called The Up-Leveled Woman, and I'll make sure that we link it in the show notes And a man can do it too, but it is definitely geared towards women. And it is this journey of becoming. It is this shedding and embracing and expressing. And all of that comes from the idea that we have elasticity. We have space in who we are. And that gives us the capacity to grow. That gives us the capacity to expand. That gives us the capacity to up-level but we have to be willing. And that willingness requires a bit of bravery and a whole lot of fucking trust. And I know that that is a lot to ask, especially if you're someone who has been having a hard time. If you're someone who came from a background that was so like just racked with struggle that the control is the thing that feels safest to you. And I understand that it feels safe. I get it. I've been there. I'm pretty much writing a book on it right now. (laughs) The thing is, is that your safety and your expansion are not coexisting because this strategy for safety is keeping you stuck. And that's not what you came here for. And there are people who came to just live the life that they're living and that's fine, but they're probably not looking for a podcast like this. They're not doing the work on themselves. And this isn't a better or worse thing. It's just, we're talking about alignment. We're talking about harmony. And they're not going to jive with me. And that's totally cool because they're doing their own thing. And that's great. But you're here. 
you resonated to spend the last 10 or so minutes with me having this conversation. So what does that say about you? To me, that says that you are somebody who is ready, who might find some of this work uncomfortable, but it's going to show up anyway. And I like that about you. Having, you know, spent the last 15 years as someone who's like that, I know what is being asked of you to be in this space. And it doesn't have to be all at once. All progress counts. But having that willingness to be curious, to be open to things being maybe different than they were before, to seeing yourself differently. Because the beautiful thing about having this flexibility and elasticity in how you view yourself means that everything that has led you to this point, especially if you've had a lot of challenging times, you don't have to be the person who always struggles, who always suffers. You can be the person who has struggled and who has suffered. And because that is not your identity, because it is elastic and you're able to stretch into new ways of being, something else can be possible for you. But when we have these like hard and fast ways of how we view ourselves and how we view the world and how we view and judge other people, it really limits the space we want to expand and grow into. And ain't nobody got time for that. So I'll make sure the link to The Upleveled Woman is included in the show notes. It's a really beautiful five-day course. The videos are under 10 minutes each. They're really quick and easy to digest. And it's free. It is a love note from me to you because I have had so much luck to reinvent myself. I have never felt like I was going to be a product of my environment. And if you knew where I came from, you would, <laughs> you would know that to be true. I watched the lives of the people around me, even the ones in my family. And I knew the different was possible for me. I didn't feel like I fit in there. And I had to battle a lot of imposter syndrome and things like that on the other side of it. But at the same time, more was possible because I believed it to be. And if I had been really rigid in how I viewed myself, it wouldn't have been possible. So that is my invitation to you to ask the questions, to be open, to be a little bit more fluid and just try it out and see. Because if you get honest with yourself about the things that resonate, there's probably a whole lot more available to you than what you think and live right now. That's it for this episode. Thanks for spending this time with me. Make sure to stay in touch between episodes by following me on Instagram. I'm at Serena Myers. If this episode inspired you or you want to support the show, please give it a share to your favorite peeps and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time.